This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. Welcome back, Americana Podcast listeners, and welcome back, because fun fact, on this day, two years ago, we launched our first two episodes of Americana Podcast, and it's been a wild ride. And even though it's been a hard year for the music community as a whole, we're so proud of the work we've been able to do and the community we've gotten to support through this project. For us, it's been pretty good, all things considered. We learned how to do remote recording, which we hadn't done before. We've had some really great episodes with artists like Lori McKenna, John Craigie, Todd Snyder, and Billy Strings come out. We joined American Songwriter Podcast Network, and we got merch, which can be found at americansongwriter.com slash podcast dash merch, nudge nudge, wink wink. And just this last week, we surpassed 200,000 downloads. That's amazing. All in two years. And all of this is thanks to people and music lovers like you who come and listen to this show. And I can't thank you enough. Because it's our anniversary, we have a really special guest for you today. For those of you that follow the Instagram at Americana Podcast, you'll know that we put out a list of some of our favorite albums that were released in 2020. One of those albums was the incomparable Keep Em On They Toes by Georgia native Brent Cobb. And we are so happy to have Brent Cobb on today's episode. Hailing from Americus, Georgia, Brent Cobb got his start with his first record, No Place to Leave, in 2006. A Roots meets Red Hot Chili Peppers-esque album produced by his cousin Dave Cobb in Los Angeles. After the release of No Place to Leave, Brent returned to Georgia but moved to Nashville shortly after with the encouragement of singer Luke Bryan, where Cobb then joined Carnival Music Publishing as a regular songwriter. Since then, Cobb has written songs for artists such as Kenny Chesney, Miranda Lambert, Luke Bryan, and Little Big Town. In addition to songwriting, Cobb has continued to release his own records and received a well-deserved 2018 Grammy Award nomination for his album Shine On Rainy Day. Cobb's latest album was Keep Em On They Toes and it was released in September of 2020. And it's the kind of record you wish you could listen to to the first time again. In the songs written for his newborn child, Cobb espouses simple advice to not only stay ahead, but to stay content in one's life. While other tracks break down the difficulty of finding common ground in an ever-growing, divided social consciousness and what we really need to do in order to bridge that gap. With that said, Cobb's delivery remains straightforward and earnest. The album is as solid as any good advice one can receive in life, and it is backed by beautifully strung instrumentation. There's a lot more on Brent Cobb's horizon. So please join us as our host Robert Earl Keane speaks with Cobb about songwriting, the wise words of Shooter Jennings, and the future of Americana music. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, the 51st State. And a tight grip on all the good folks that you love. Let the rain go. 
chase the rainbow. There's a lot of truth in all that little stuff. Hello, everybody. This is Robert Earl Keane, and you are listening to Americana Podcast from the American Songwriter Network. And today, we're so lucky to have singer-songwriter, performer Brent Cobb on our show. I want to say, hello, Brent. How are you? Hey, Mr. Keene. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, we're doing we're doing really well. Uh, it's a nice day down here. We're, we're recording today from the Snake Barn Studios right outside of Medina, Texas. So, you know, it's all, it's all good. It's pretty quiet. We're pretty much out in the country here. So, uh, uh, nice deal. place to be on a nice spring day. I'm, I'm in the back of our local pizza place. Uh, it's owned <laughs> by my buddy Joey Stevens. And uh, it's called the Pizza Place, and so that is where I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say that we can start off with right there. The, the Pizza Place could, could be one of the titles to your, your songs. You know, I mean, uh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, you, you definitely give them out straight. Uh, listen, I want to. We'll talk about uh, your um, September twenty eighth, twenty twenty release. Keep them on their. They toe keep keep is it keep them on keep, they toes? That's it. Yes, yeah. it. Keep them on they toes. We'll talk about that in a little bit later. But um, I'd like to start out by asking, you know, uh, how did you keep busy during the pandemic? You know, mostly things like this. Other than on a personal level, wrangling my youngins and uh, you know doing homeschooling and uh, doing a lot of grilling and a lot of fishing. I, uh, I did a lot of this co-writing over, you know, zoom and FaceTime and that sort of thing. And, uh, grew a nice garden last year, uh, played some virtual shows. You know how that goes. It's, it ain't quite the same. Right. Uh, but what's funny is I had tried to talk everybody. I write over at carnival in Nashville, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I try, I've been trying to tell folks for two years since I had moved back to Georgia that. You know, it's possible to, I don't have to come to Nashville to co-write with these folks. And it's, you know, it's the future. We, we have capability of, of doing it all through, uh, through computers and nobody wanted to hear that, but it took a global pandemic and now everybody's doing it. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was up to though. Oh, that, uh, a, a garden, are you a full-time, do you put plant a garden every year? I, I try to when we're touring, it's not as easy, but if I'm around uh, enough in the summertime, if it looks like I'm going to be around, I, I try to plant just tomatoes, uh, some sweet potatoes, some uh, zucchini and uh, yellow squash. And yeah, just, just a little bit. Not really. I don't really know what I'm doing. So did you, uh, are, are you living now in uh, your South home Georgia. in South Georgia? Is that Ellaville or is that America's? Well, we actually live in Cobb, Georgia. No Cobb. relation. Uh-huh. Uh, it's uh, the unincorporated Cobb. It's about forty minutes south of my hometown, Ellaville, and mm-hmm. about an hour and ten minutes south of Macon, so southwest central Georgia. Yeah. So uh, we can go on to uh, the September twenty eighth, twenty twenty release. Uh, keep them on their toes. Um, it seems like there was you, you got a lot of good notices, and there was a, a pretty good marketing campaign uh, around this. Did that have have to do with there was uh, more time to release? And why did you release a, a a record during the pandemic? Well, we had I, I had went in 
in December of 2019 and mm-hmm. recorded that album. And uh, I already had all those songs together. And uh, we had obviously already planned to release it in 2020. And when it all first went down, uh, we kind of backpedaled a little bit and, you know, asked myself and asked ourselves, the team and everybody, is it does it seem right to release this album you know with with this whole global pandemic and and as the year progressed that particular album grew more and more relevant and uh and i couldn't help but believe that we should go ahead and release it i don't know that i would have done that had it been any other record uh but that particular album uh hit all of the the uh all of it. <laughs> it kind of mm-hmm. talked about all of that, you know. Uh huh. And did you uh, you worked with Brad Cook on this record? Is that right? Yes, sir. How was that? Man, I love Brad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known Brad for he he was a fan of Shine on Rainy Day album that we put out in 2016. I met him on the road, and I I wasn't very familiar with Brad, but he had hit me up and invited myself and my band to stay at his place in Durham uh, while we were coming through Raleigh one time. Never met the guy. I loved the His Golden Messenger stuff, and right. uh, and but I didn't know that that was Brad that did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he put us all up, and I got kind of got to know him over the years. And uh, when we got ready to record this record, I don't really know what made me call him, but I'm glad I did because it was it was so natural and laid back. We recorded in a little strip mall uh, in outside of Durham, and uh, you wouldn't know there was even a studio there. It was an old rundown strip mall, mm-hmm. and uh, we just had a blast every day. We showed up, talked about the songs, and went to work. And uh, you did that that in nineteen? Did you say December of nineteen? Or uh... yes, sir. And how long did it take to to make that record? You know, record and mix that kind of thing. Um, it to record it all and to get it all laid down. It it only took about four days, and then it took a little longer to get it all mixed because I think a, a lot of people had just different projects going on. So, all in all, I would say uh, the mixing process probably took a month or or so, and then we mastered it after that. But but it only took about four days to record it. So I, I just want to tell you this, Brent. Uh, personally, uh, I I love I love that record. I love the consistency and the sounds and and the and the way he captured Thank the, you. your really, uh, you, you know, what I I would consider your real special talent that that casual way of singing where sometimes it's almost like you're talking, but it's you know it's still it's still holding the melody and and moving along. It's beautiful. And and Clara Rose here, our producer. Said, said, you know, what it's like is it's like your favorite cologne, like it's your favorite <laughs> men's cologne where, you know, you got two or three clones, you know, and you keep trying another one, but you always come back to that one because you know it's going to be great. You know, it's oh, going to keep, keep, keep being good every time you put it on, you know. So I uh, thought I, I, I like the way she put that. I thought that, that was really, really what there. I appreciate that very much. And uh, I'm just trying to be like you, man. I'm just trying to. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to uh, perform like you. Yeah, you're gonna have to you gotta have to be carrying a handful of sticks and throw them in front of your skates all the time if you're gonna be like me. I, that, that, that's a, that's my that's my my thing. I I trip myself up constantly. I think well, me me and you both. I I always consider myself a uh, a songwriter singer, not a singer songwriter. And I, I can, I'm a songwriter first and I sing just to, because I don't know who else might sing my songs, maybe nobody. And, uh, you, your voice has always, uh, I don't know, I've related to it the most, uh, out of, out of, out of a bunch of them. So I, I appreciate it. So, um, the, the, the record is still out there and there's still promotion behind it. Oh, let, let me get this straight. This is on. Low Country Records, an imprint of Electra, is that correct? This is actually on my own imprint, ah, uh, ah. Old Buddy Records, Old through, Buddy. through 30 Tigers. Oh, okay. Old Buddy Records, through, through 30 Tigers. So that's where uh, you can look it up if you're, you're looking for, for it. Uh, keep, keep them on their toes. Uh, and, um, I, and just to single out a couple of things uh, about this, that particular song is uh, when I lived in Nashville years ago, uh, people would talk about they would talk about it more or less in um, terms of like uh, some so, some uh, artist that really wasn't even a writer just just they got a a great song and they would call that their career song and I would say in the world of songwriting keep them on their toes is truly a career song for you in that I could hear this 20 years from now, somebody playing it some either on a jukebox or just in a corner and some little honky tonk or something. And, oh man, I hope you're right. Well, it, it has, it has that, it has that great feel and timelessness. And, you know, uh, like they say, you can, it, it, it tastes good in your mouth when you sing it and it, it feels good under your foot when you tap it with, uh, with your foot. You know? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I had sat down to write that song after my son had been born. He'll be two in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just kind of thinking about if I were to give him any piece of advice, mm -hmm. what would it be? And uh, and that's how that song came to be. It came came out as, you know what, buddy? Some folks going to be crazy, and most of them are probably going to be crazy. You don't let mm -hmm. them bother you. Don't let them get you down. And you just keep doing what you're going to do and keep them on their toes, you know? Keep them on their toes, your business out of sight. Make them look left if you're going to hang a right. If the pie's hot, don't let them see your hand. Make them got to know what they wouldn't understand. The best thing you can do when the ignorance shows is walk on to your own. Keep them on their toes. If I might ask, uh, when you use that line, um, uh, I'm sorry if I messed this up, but uh, when your ignorance shows, or when the when the ignorance shows, when, when their ignorance shows, when their when, when their, they it, ignorance shows, uh, yeah. when that that ignorance shows, that also you know that was so that was so solid with uh, just the thought of like oh I've I've been there. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, just really, really, really a special song. Also, I was uh, really, um, uh, I love, love this side of the river. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a fool for uh, river songs or water songs, anyway. But that one, man, it was, uh, it, it was, it was felt, felt like it was extremely personal, but you know, universal at the same time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. That was that was the first song that I wrote for this project. I uh, I didn't know that I was writing for this project. And again, we we live at the end of a little slough off of the Lake Blackshear, off of the Flint River. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was sitting, matter of fact, in the same spot that I first started coming up with Keep Them On Their Toes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of back and forth going on all the time. Since the beginning of time, it's really nothing new. And, uh, yeah, it's that song is is as deep as, you, as you'd want it to be or it's only as deep as the river that you're looking at, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, which was intentional. I want it to be that way. I want anybody to enjoy it, but perhaps the subconscious will uh, – soak up a little more than what's what's there on the surface Mm -hmm. and then when you think about it twice uh, once on a stormy monday and once when it floods through through your mind and then it 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 seems clear to me but i just want to make sure uh that you 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 know you've thought this through and you and you like this side of the river that you're talking about the way it is right is that 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 particular character of that song does yes yeah yeah i thought i i I really like that because you know that you know uh, you can go so many ways setting yourself up that way you know uh you know thinking about an alternative path to something when you're writing a song and and that was uh it was just it was cool and it was smart and it felt like you know uh, some some, something that most of us would do you know well i i think yeah that's the 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 common core in a lot of things especially on opposing sides of the fence Mm -hmm. is no one is willing to to actually jump across over there to that other side and -hmm. just to see what it is actually all about you know Mm -hmm. it's it's easy you can look up from the top of a tree and observe the other side but until you actually walk on that other side it's hard to tell and you know that song specifically is partly me, it's it's partly you know an idea of of mm-hmm. maybe perhaps someone else. And mm-hmm. you know, there's it's you just never know until you've actually walked on that other side. And mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times no one is willing to actually make that step mm-hmm. to the other side. You know, but but not right. that there's anything wrong with that. I, no. you know, I just I just I just think. Ignorance is bliss, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so one more song from uh, Keep Them On Their Toes. Uh, tell me tell me about Soapbox. I, I like the way it's put together. It's clean and clear. And, and uh, Nikki Lane sang with you on that? Yes, sir. I love Nikki so much. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I uh, I wrote that with my dad. And, uh, really? Yes, sir. It was mm-hmm. one of the first songs we've, we've ever written together. Um, I've recorded songs that he's written in the past, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, I kind of, all of this been going on since the beginning of time, but, uh, nowadays with social media and if you're like me and I know you are, you have friends on all sides of every river and every fence there is. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, you know, I, I find myself in the middle of it all sometimes and, uh, and and it's yeah that was that was what that whole song was about is I'm you know I'm just gonna keep on trying to get down this little road of my own and uh, you know maybe maybe sometime and and it was it was neat to write it with my dad because we don't always see the eye to eye on everything mm-hmm. but I I think that 
that's beautiful to not see eye to eye, you know, but to know that our common ground, maybe if it's, if the only common ground there is, is, is that we don't have any common ground <laughs> is mm-hmm. a, uh, mm-hmm. is healthy, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's worth the conversation, but we can't have a conversation if all we're going to do is get on our soapboxes the whole time. So does your dad play as well? Yes, sir. He does. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And did you learn from your dad? Did you? I, uh, my dad and, and my uncle, they've had a band for 35 years and, uh, and I grew up every weekend. My dad played and he opened for people like George Jones and Chubby Checker and Doug Stone and, mm-hmm. uh, a pile of them. And, uh, you know, I met George Jones when I was just a kid and, uh, I grew up on the weekends going to his shows and watching him play. And then when I was a kid, he was really into writing. And my mom's brother, uh, brothers, they were, they were more rock and roll. My dad was more country and, but they would come down from Cleveland, Ohio. And, uh, we'd be, we, we lived in a little single wide at that time and the walls are thin and it'd be my bedtime. And I'd be laid up back there listening to them, writing songs and stuff. And, uh, so I, yeah, he taught me, uh, but not directly. He would. Uh, he wasn't a great guitar player or anything, but but he knew your your you know mm-hmm. your G's and your C's and your D's, and he he the only thing he really taught me intentionally was he would show me a chord a week, or as he he'd show me a G chord and he'd say work on that for a week, and when you get that one, I'll show you a D chord, uh-huh. and uh, and so he taught me that kind of thing, you know. Uh huh. Uh, so uh, it's it's your uncle uh, from up in Ohio, is that right? Yeah, my my mother is from Cleveland, Ohio. Ah, ah. so did, did they ever do uh, Tom T. Hall's uh, Clayton Delaney? Uh, you... you know what? They wow. never did, but but my uncle Brian did do. I like beer. Whiskey's too rough. <laughs> Champagne cost too much. Too much. Vodka puts in my mouth in gear. Yeah, man. But I've never seen this overflowing stream from the other side. Over there could be nice. I thought about it twice. The first time was on a stormy Monday. By Tuesday, the blues flooded through my mind. So, Brent, I want to just uh, talk about. We already kind of into it, but uh, the your upbringing, you were born in Americas and moved to Ellaville. Is that correct? That's correct. Right. Yeah. And, go ahead. Well, I, I was, I always say I was born in Americas. I was, uh, I, I grew up in Ellaville and I was raised in Richland, Georgia. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, and, and Richland is nearby? Yeah, it's, a, it's about... 20 minutes down the road it's where my my daddy grew up at it's where my my great grandpa bought a hundred dollars an acre for a dollar an acre after world war one uh-huh. and uh that's where our our whole family kind of that's where you learn how to sin out there but then you also go and ask for forgiveness right <laughs> at the antioch baptist church on sunday yeah so you so you blow it out on saturday night and you and you get absolved on sunday that's it you, yeah. you get raised up out there so uh richland is the first cut on uh, no place left to leave your very first record that you made and it was yes. in 2006 is that right yes sir yeah so uh, tell me about going to la oh man well it's a uh, it's a long story. Yeah. I it all started 
when I was about 17, uh, we were at a funeral of my, my great aunt's funeral and mm-hmm. in Richland and, uh, and great aunt Christine. And at this funeral, we heard that there was a, a relative of ours that was a record producer and, you know, people in the South can be a little skeptical of outsiders. Mm-hmm. And so afterwards we're all standing around and Dave is standing there and I, I say, man, I hear you're a record producer. What have you produced? And, uh, and he says, well, I've done this and I've done that. And I just did this, uh, shooter Jennings, Waylon Jennings son album, uh, called put the O back in country. And when he said that, it blew my mind because that was all we'd been listening to, other than you, other than your records, we'd been listening <laughs> to uh, to that "Put the O Back in Country." And when he said that, I couldn't believe it. And uh, sh- uh, shamelessly, I I had just made a a little six song acoustic demo, and uh, and I gave him of these songs that I had written, and I gave it to him <laughs> after his grandmother's funeral, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and a couple of days later, he called the house phone. I was still living at my folks' house at that time, and, and I didn't have a cell phone. And I just got off work with a tree service crew. And uh, and I pick up the phone, and he goes, hey, is Brent there? This is Dave, and uh, I have Shooter on the phone with me. We want to fly you to L.A. and make a record. And, wow. uh, man, I looked at my buddy who I worked with, and – I was just like, you're not going to believe this. And, uh, and you know, and so that's how it all started. And I, I started going out there and, uh, the first two songs we recorded out there were Richland and dirt road in Georgia. He had a, I had never really left the state of Georgia other than going to Cleveland, uh, here and there growing up. And, uh, so it was wild, man. He had a studio right in the middle of Hollywood on off of Kawanga mm-hmm. and, uh, right across the street from big wangs old bar that that had chicken wings and uh you know there was shooter i remember the first day i got there we were eating i was eating a a buffalo chicken quesadilla at big wangs and uh (laughs) and uh me and dave are sitting there and we look out the window across the street where the studio is and there's shooter walking up the road and uh and i'm you know i'm i'm I'm, I'm nervous. I, he's, he's like a hero of mine, you know, at mm-hmm. the time and still, and, uh, and here he comes, he walks in and he ordered, uh, two cool or, or two Coors lights and a shot of Jack Daniels. And, uh, he looked at me and he said, you're going to be all right if we can wipe some of this green off of you. And, <laughs> and wow. I was, I know, man, it just kind of blew my mind. It was wild, man. I, I, it was, it was sort of hard to accept, at the time, because I was so young and had never experienced anything outside of rural Southwest Georgia, but uh, looking back is some of the fondest memories that I have. Well, I was sitting in a cocoon underneath the yellow moon in the winter time. Wound opened up and I started to fly. The wind came from the east, so flew to the west, and I really don't know why. And um, so you moved from L.A. to Nashville or did you, you came back to Georgia? I went 
I went back and forth to LA. I was very reluctant to move all the way out there. And, uh, but I would go back and forth for about a year and a half. And, uh, and so in the meantime of going back and forth out there, I made that record and, and we opened a show for Luke Bryan and he got that record and he was trying to get me to move to Nashville. And I, I I just really didn't want to go anywhere. I just kind of wanted to, I was, I didn't have really much real ambition, Robert. (laughs) And, uh, and so it took me a while, but I I did wind up making the move to LA and I only lived there for about six months. So I went back and forth for a year and a half. I lived there for six months, Mm -hmm. moved back to Georgia after a, uh, I, there was a drive by shoot in six months. There was a drive by shooting. Uh, a guy tried to carjack me. There was a earthquake and it only rained one time. And, uh, I wow. decided, I decided to move back to South Georgia and I, I came back here for about three months. And then I made the move to Nashville in March of 08. Okay. So that was, uh, and the idea about Nashville is had you had any experience at all, uh, with, with Nashville up to that point? Um, no, I had visited there when I was 16 and, you know, went down to lower Broadway and checked out all the honky tonks. And then, uh, during that time of going back and forth between LA and Georgia for that year and a half, uh-huh. and I had met Luke, Luke had invited me to come stay with him for a week in Nashville. It was actually the same week that he made his grand old opera debut. And, uh, and that was the only experience I had with Nashville. Right. Right. So, uh, but you, you went to Nashville with, uh, your first record, no place left to leave under, under your arm. And you, so you had something to show and play for people for sure. Right. And, that, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, that particular song, uh, the, the title cut, no place left to leave. Um, I, I hear it as, um, sort of, uh, what, what do they call it? Kind of a vignette where the, here's one set of, of circumstances or a one setting and then it moves to kind of another setting and then to another setting is is that how is that how that works can you run that down for me if you don't mind i would i would say so uh it started that song's about my cousin my uh my cousin danny uh Mm -hmm. who was my my mom's brother's son Mm -hmm. and uh i wrote that song when i was 16 and we we danny was sort of like my brother. He, he grew, his parents divorced when he was eight or nine, maybe 10. And, uh, and he was constantly traveling on the road with his dad and they never really had a permanent spot ever. And then when he was 11, we got a phone call one late night that his mom had sent him on a Greyhound bus by himself. And then he'd be arriving in America's at, uh, 10 o'clock that evening to be, be there to pick him up. We had no idea he was coming. And, uh, and it just, his whole life was just like a song, you know, it was mm-hmm. like this movie. Right. And, uh, so yeah, it starts as Danny when he's, when his parents first divorce right. and then it, and then it moves into playing music and, right. you know, and I, I, so I guess I sort of incorporate my own life in there a little bit, but, um, yeah, it is, it's definitely it's different scenes for sure. Well, do you find yourself when you write a song, like you say that that you're, you there's there's some of you I'm I'm guessing there's some of you in every song you write. 
I believe for the most part, it's, it's hard mm-hmm. for me other than uncle Charlie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nah, that in, in most of them, it's hard for me not to, but I think for me, that is, uh, that is the definition of sort of being a songwriter for, for the way that I write is, sure. is that, you know, it's empathy, you know, and, and try to, try to understand different walks of life. Yeah. I got no place left to leave, nothing to believe. I got no place left to go. We're kind of short on money, and but it's a long, long And that and that was done with, with your cousin uh, Dave Cobb. We didn't really point him out, but that that is, so that's early Dave Cobb uh, mm-hmm. work work as well. Is that how that works? That is, yep. yeah, yeah. And uh, um, you know, great great record. Uh, I liked. I'd I'd want to have to single out. Um, Hold me closely, and there's a, and there's one of the reasons is I feel like it's like a really really slow sparse soul song it really has that kind of lope uh but it has this wonderful line and i want to ask you about this that says this place called my life which all of a sudden turned me on to the fact that in listening again to a lot of your songs i realized there are lines (laughs) this is amazing you could stop right now, Brent, and just take all the lines in your songs that aren't titles and start writing songs around these lines. Because, like, I mean, this place called my life is a beautiful title. And then on a shine on a rainy day, which you put out in 2016, uh, there's there's a lot of lines, and this one might not be. This might be more ham-handed, but this one I thought, uh, you know, funny how you learn to pray, right? I mean, I just mm. thought, I thought, you know, hey. There's 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 a song right there, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a really um, what and what I love about it is every line captures a setting or a feeling, and then there's no, no wasted lines in your songs, and it it keeps you keeps you you know keeps you oh, in there. I appreciate that again, and I, I I'm not trying to just toot your horn because I'm on your podcast, but and that. <laughs> You you had you had a lot of influence on on no wasted lines uh-huh. and and seriously you know I, I can remember during that in between moving back to Georgia for those few months before moving to Nashville and 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 showing my buddies uh, all of your records uh, uh, not and like now I'm gonna space out because I'm I'm nervous but but like uh, loving uh, 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 love's a word I never throw around yeah mm-hmm. and. Uh, when you talk about I'm going to the country, spend some time out in the woods, uh, uh, sleep under the stars. What's the one? What's that line? Uh, sleep under the stars all alone. What do you, what do you say right there? <laughs> you got me. I, I, oh, I, I, I have a hard time kind of grabbing lines of my own song. Well, I put, well, on, put on the spot, you know, well, forgive me for, for messing it up there. But but I can remember the, the way your voice breaks in that line uh-huh. is so perfect. And uh, and I, I can remember sitting out with my buddy Dylan Lee and just being like, "Man, you got to listen to this. It's it's just so good." And so, you know, I've I've 
I just think that it's super important to not let a line be just a line. You know, it all has to be uh, relative to right. to the emotion of, you know, you have the main the main line, but you got they all, you know, it's kind of like all the creeks are just as important. Without the creeks, there'd be no river. Without the river, there'd be no sea, you know. There is a path in this place called my life. Don't know if I can travel alone. So we're we're moving on to uh, Shine on a Rainy Day, which is uh, one you were nominated for a Grammy, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, and um, that that got and that was the that was the first after a, a pretty long spell of no recordings, correct? Yes, I had uh, taken my I had a daughter. I had toured up until twenty fourteen, July of twenty fourteen, uh-huh. and then we had our first child. And my wife had our first child. I, I had a little help creating her, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and so we we had a daughter, and. You know, I just decided to not tour uh, indefinitely. I didn't know if I would make more records anymore or tour anymore mm-hmm. ever again. And uh, and I was trying to be content with just being a Music Row staff writer. And, uh, and so me and Dave, again, Dave called and said he was putting together a concept album called Southern Family. Mm. And... And he said, uh, I wouldn't have felt right doing an album called Southern Family without having my own little, I don't know if y'all can cuss on here, but having my own little bitch-ass cousin a part of it. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, that was the first time that Dave and I got it back together in the studio uh, in a creative uh, capacity other than me going in to write with artists that he may have come to the studio or just going by to check in, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so when we got in there, I I did an EP between, I did an EP in 2012 Mm -hmm. and, and it was fine, but it didn't really hit the spot for me. And, uh, and then when I went back in with Dave in 2014 or 2015, I guess, uh, to do that one song on Southern family, it felt like it's supposed to feel when you make music. And uh, and we both knew that we had to make a, a full album. And so that's what we did. And then we made Shine On Rainy Day. And, and that was done in Nashville at what studio? It was actually at his, he had a, a home studio in his uh-huh. basement at that time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, that that one um, time frame on, on how much time you spent on that? Uh, it was a probably about the same about four days uh-huh. uh, laying everything down and then dave sort of mixed that one as we went so all in all it's probably a couple weeks so uh it seems i mean definitely it, the result is it, it really t- says to me that you have a you have a pretty good comfort level with studio stuff is that true um i'm more comfortable in the studio than i am performing live uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know and I don't know why I think it's mainly because I can hear myself in the studio I always have a hard time I have a hard time hearing myself in floor monitors 
but then right. I have a hard time feeling myself with ear monitors. So, right. So I, I always feel, feel pretty good in the studio. Uh-huh. The song, uh, Sol- solving problems, right? Solving problems. Uh, uh-huh. that, that song, I don't know, maybe I dreamed this or I'm making it up, but I swear I heard several people, uh, in Nashville's particularly, uh, talk about that song as if it were one of those songs that slips out in the world and everybody talks about it like it's a song that's you know you wish you'd written you know this is the song that we're here for you know this is the song that we came to nashville to write you know and <laughs> and, and uh it certainly works that way uh, uh, um, so who was the buddy who's the buddy uh scotch taylor and uh-huh. and uh he's who I wrote that song with. And he was also my first roommate in Nashville when I moved there in 08. And, uh, we got to where during that time off, we would meet every Sunday and we would, uh, on the row at carnival. And, uh, and when it's died down, there's not a whole lot of traffic. Not, there weren't any pedal taverns at that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we would sit there and, you know, try to write songs. And that day, we tried for about an hour to co-write a song and finally we just said man what if we just write a song about exactly what we're doing we're sitting out here on the front porch on a sunday afternoon overlooking music road that's pretty cool man mm-hmm. and uh and so that's what that's exactly what you hear in that song is is it was written in real time that's exactly what was happening conversation covers everything and in between from grandpa's health Marrying good girls All we ain't up to nothing Just solving all the problems of the world We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Brent Cobb shortly. At Americana Podcast, it is our goal to define and expand on the genre of Americana music as a whole. Two years in, we wouldn't have nor would we continue to be able to do this without the steady and thoughtful help of our good friend, Will Vote. This is Will's Pick. Down on Music Row by Dan Penn from the album Living on Mercy. Dan Penn may well be the only 79-year-old singer-songwriter who will release an album of new material this year. Although far from the household name, Penn's career now spans over 60 years and includes many highlights in songwriting, producing, and recording. His place in rock and roll history was secured in 1967 when he produced a one-minute and 58-second pop masterpiece that went to number one in the U.S. and several other countries. The letter, written by Wayne Carson and recorded by the Box Tops, was Penn's first try as a producer, and he got it right. Dan Penn grew up in Vernon, Alabama, and became interested in music and songwriting at an early age. As a teenager, he began hanging around Rick Hall's fame studio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Trying his hand at writing, he had an immediate success with his song, Is the Bluebird Blue, which was covered by Conway Twitty and went to number six on the country charts. Not a bad start for a 19-year-old. He also penned I'm Your Puppet in 1966, and around that time, Jerry Wexler brought an unknown Aretha Franklin to Memphis to record an album. Dan and Chip Moman wrote Do Right Woman, Do Right Man, which landed on her breakout album, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. After that, he and Chip wrote The Dark End of the Street, a soul classic which was originally cut by James Carr and has been covered by the likes of Aretha, the Flying Burrito Brothers, Linda Ronstadt, and Greg Allman, as well as many others. Although known for his songwriting, Penn is up there as a great soul singer as well. His great voice is showcased on his solo album from the 1994's Do Right Man. 
which features many of his own songs that he wrote for others. Included on his latest release, Living on Mercy, is the song Down on Music Row, in which Penn sings of the trials and tribulations of the music business from the point of view of a struggling songwriter. After 60 years in the biz, this is a subject he knows very well, and it's a heartfelt ballad, thus making it Will's pick. If they don't like your music Move on to uh, uh, Prov- Providence Canyon, and um, I picked up uh, a little bit of information about the King of Alabama. But I would sure—I'd li- truly like to get the story behind the song of the King of Alabama. Uh, the King of Alabama was uh, the probably the first song I wrote for Providence Canyon, other than the song Providence Canyon, uh, and it was there was this guy named Wayne Mills that that a lot of us knew when I first moved to town, he was just sort of that honky tonk troubadour guy. He'd just been around forever. And, uh, and Rowdy or who I would live with when I was in LA, a lot of the time, um, he would, when he wasn't playing with Jamie Johnson on the road, he would go and play with this guy, Wayne Mills. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Wayne was, he, he played football for Alabama for the tide. And uh, just a, he probably stood six four, just a big old guy from South Alabama. Right. And uh, <clears throat> he, the night of the George Jones tribute show in Nashville, um, he and and uh, Jamie, Jamie used to Jamie Johnson used to open shows for Wayne Mills. They got invited to perform at the George Jones tribute show, and uh, Shooter was there that night, and then they all wind up going down to lower Broadway to this bar that was getting ready to do the grand opening. Wayne was going to be the band who played the grand opening of this new bar. And, uh, I guess he and the owner get into some sort of argument and disagreement. And, uh, and the guy winds up shooting Wayne and he kills him. Mm. And, uh, I knew, so that happens. And, my wife at the time is pregnant with my first kid mm-hmm. and uh i get to thinking about his son was seven at the time mm-hmm. and it just struck me so hard how sad it was for for his son to lose his dad at, at that age especially at seven years old and uh and i just got to thinking about i just knew i wanted to write a song that if for no other person but but for his son to, to go, Hey, I know you knew your dad in one way, but this is how, this is who your dad was, you know? And, uh, so I started writing and I wrote the first verse and the chorus. And, uh, I had texted my buddy Rowdy and asked him if he would want to help me finish it because it just felt right to have somebody who knew Wayne, especially the way he did. Mm-hmm. And Rowdy was too close to the, to the situation that uh he just he couldn't get on it and then um i hit up another buddy of mine drake white who also i met through wayne 
and um, and we tried a little bit, but I, I had a I had a pretty concrete direction that I wanted to go in, mm-hmm. and so we we couldn't really get down the road, and so then I hit up my old buddy Adam Hood, who mm-hmm. the whole reason I named the song King of Alabama is Adam who's also from Alabama, he would, when he would mimic Wayne, he would go, I'm Wayne Mills. I'm the king of Alabama roll tide. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's how the, the title king of Alabama came to be anyway. And so me and hood got together and we finished it. And, uh, and when we got done with it, we got to thinking about Wayne's son, Jack Mills, and uh, how the song would have not even been, come to be had it not been for him and so we were able to add jack as a co-writer to that song also oh wow and, and so it's me and adam hood and jack mills and just all these people that were associated with with wayne mm-hmm. and uh that's how that song happened yeah tra- tra- tragic story i I, yeah. I, I didn't did not know any of that So in your song, uh, Soapbox, you have the line, uh, if I got a problem, my job is is pour my heart out in a song, right? Uh, and um, which it, it seems like you, you stay, to stay pretty close to that all the way through all your, your work. And I was uh, curious about just your writing in general, um, uh, your favorite tried and true method to write a song and and i and i am asking is something as cliche as mu- music or words first just but just whatever your favorite uh routine is when you work on a now, song i tend to come up with uh some sort of chord structure on normally just an acoustic guitar and uh and then i will sort of scat a melody with syllables. They won't actually be words, but right. there will be a melody. Right. And uh and then I try to focus on what emotion is that 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 this chord structure and this phrasing, this lyric melody and phrasing is uh inspiring. And then I'll try to evaluate why do I feel that way? What is the the what's the core uh, the foundation of whatever emotion that is. Okay. And then what is the story to that foundation? And then what is the core of that story? And then that usually becomes the title. And so what you're saying there is, is, um, the, uh, working straight from a title is not your, not your first and first choice is usually, usually not for, yeah. for whatever reason, I have a really hard time not always, but mm-hmm. I, I tend to write myself into a title. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, my brain works a, a weird way where if I have a title first, then everything I say seems uh, cliche or seems pretentious or that I'm trying too hard to write towards a, a hook. Right. And and, uh, and it freaks me out. And then I, and then I just don't come up with anything good. <laughs> so yeah, if I can surprise myself, uh-huh. I, I assume I can surprise other people. And and uh, 
favorite memory of surprising yourself? Like, oh my God, I'm I'm smarter than I thought I was, kind of thing. Uh, uh, hold me closely that you brought up earlier. Yeah, was uh, I wrote that when I was freshly seventeen, uh-huh. and uh, and I that was one of those songs that you know doesn't always happen, and sometimes it it shouldn't happen this way. But that song I wrote it in probably thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and uh, when I I couldn't believe that I was writing it. It felt like I still don't know that I, that I'm writing, you know, some of them. And, uh, and, but I couldn't believe it. It just kind of, I didn't know I had it in me, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and I didn't know where that song came from. And here's a, a a weird thing about that. That whole deal is, and again, it's a long story. So I I don't want to go over it. But, uh, my, so I wrote that song and, I said, well, what in the world is that about? It almost feels kind of like a gospel song or I don't know what it's about. And then two days later, my, my mama's mama, my Nana passed away. Uh And, and I I said, well, that's what that song's about. Well, then at her, the day of her viewing, when we were going to have everybody over to eat at the house, um, I had laid down on the couch to take a nap and just, I, my Nana was like my biggest fan. And, uh, Mm -hmm. she was, she was a mess. And, uh, but I laid down and, kind of bummed out and I had a dream and in this dream I woke up and I was it was the same day except people had shown up and I went and walked through our kitchen into our in my parents den and there in the doorway was my nana sitting on this stool and she was had this big book in her hands and I was surprised to see her not because she was living but because she was sitting on a stool she had a bad back in real in in life mm-hmm. and and I I looked at her and I said, what you reading, Nana? And she leaned the book down and she said, a song book. And when she said that, I woke up wow. and uh, everything was exactly the way I had just dreamed it. And so then I perform Hold Me Closely at her funeral. Mm-hmm. And then when I make the move to Nashville in 08, one of Dave's first projects uh, at that time was the Oak Ridge Boys. And uh, they recorded hold me closely which was my first cut as a songwriter so it's it's all interconnected in some spiritual way <laughs> i don't know how beautiful that's really really and beautiful. i i believe in it yeah. i believe in the, in the magic of it all don't preach no tricks don't talk politics i'm just a casual singer holding my stones and my sticks if i got a problem my job is pull my heart in a song Tell me about some of the other cuts you've had. You've had a number of cuts. I don't think they're even all there. It's one of those things, that, and many others when you look at, look you up, Brent. You know. Oh man, uh, I, I've been fortunate to have a several several cuts. I don't know. Uh, I, I wrote a song one time about my grandpa called "Old Shit." That uh, I, I just I, I knew I just figured no one would ever record, and uh, Miranda Lambert recorded that one. Yeah, and uh, I had another song, "Don't It," that Kenny Chesney recorded, "Tailgate Blues," Luke Bryan, and uh, a couple by Little Big Town. And I think I've had somewhere around fifty or sixty some odd cuts by oh other God. artists, and uh, but I, but I've never had a single. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I may have, I might be, I might hold the title for most cuts, no single songwriter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, uh, especially in the world of being a songwriter, I, I've always felt that the success was whomever recording your song. If your song Absolutely. is, if your song is good enough for someone else to want to play it, then I've succeeded. I don't. I don't feel unsuccessful. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely. I'm. I can't believe I've made a living making music for you know 15 years or whatever, and it mm-hmm. it it freaks me out every day. I'm I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. And well, I was just talking to my manager the other day. Uh, he said that I called him out about something. I was just joking with him one night after a show. There was a, a you know a little crew of of folks standing around and they said why ain't you why ain't you bigger than you are mm-hmm. and you know what well how do we answer that question i don't know <laughs> I mean, yeah. i'm doing i'm doing the best i can sure. and so and so i say to them i say i don't know ask my manager <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i didn't mean it anyway i yeah, just was yeah. I, you know deflecting the 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 uh the question that no one has an answer to so, oh yeah, yeah. I feel I feel big. I feel successful. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, I was uh, talking to my friend Rob Bleatstein, and I, I sometimes I love Rob. Uh, yeah, so I some I call Rob up sometimes to get just you know I, you know I called him up and said said so Rob tell me about Brent Cobb and he goes he goes oh man he's the best he's the best he's the great. so great I love that song oh. and he and he went off and then he told me about uh, I think it was his first. Uh, Real um, uh, introduction to your uh, a song was on that record that you the compilation record that you did with Dave Cobb. Uh, I think down, down home, yeah, Southern Family. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he he was and just uh, he he you know I love Rob because he's so upbeat about things and that, and when he loves it he loves it all the way. I have to say, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. When I hit rock bottom. Here at Americana Podcast, we are uh, always trying to expand and define and enhance the Americana genre, and uh, we have have a couple of questions about that. Uh, Number one, would you consider yourself Americana? Of course I would. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Uh I I think I would. I don't really know. American music is what I make. I I suppose that that's what Americana is. I don't know. Right, right. Uh, And um, how do you... I, 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 I can, I, do you consider yourself an insider in Nashville or, uh, or an outsider? I, I'm just wondering because I kind of think of you as like, you know, kind of the, the ultimate good guy that walks around and kind of knows a lot of people and you do a lot of things there. So I, I, I would think that you're anyway, I, I feel, well, yeah, I feel, I feel that I, I get along with everybody and mm-hmm. I'm, not necessarily embraced all the way by by everybody, right. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I I mean I I'm just trying to make a living being being as honest as you can in, in with songwriting, and yeah. and so far it's worked. Yeah. So from that perspective, do you 
How do you feel about uh, Americana and country? Uh, it seems like they're starting to become, if you particularly take the part of Americana that's really country-oriented or, or the backbone of it is country, uh, it seems as if country music, like, and I'm talking about mainstream country music, is somewhat starting to meld or they're they're doing some sort of crossover stuff these days. It seems For sure. the line seems to be a little blurred. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it funny when, you know, there were some quotes here a few years back mm-hmm. <laughs> that were that were not very uh, Americana uh, oriented. I don't know. It was, mm-hmm. They were a little against against Americana. But but now, mm-hmm. you know, I think people started seeing the value in a lot of, quote, Americana artists. And so mm-hmm. I think that tends to happen. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, what I mean, I don't I've never understood why it can't all coexist on radio and all of it. But sure. I don't. I don't study. I don't look into it probably as much as I should because if I did, I'd go crazy. Right, right. Uh, and someone you would consider maybe the quintessential living or dead quintessential Americana artist. Oh man, gosh, you put me on the spot right then. Uh, I mean, John Prine for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Earl Keen <laughs> is uh, is one. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a bunch of them though. And uh, maybe a song that you would and, say that would be, uh, you know, dead on Americana song. Yeah. Uh, also, Emmylou Harris. Oh, too. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But a uh, uh, quintessential Americana song. Mm-hmm. Maybe, oh, man, uh, Wildflowers, Tom Petty. Yeah. Super right. Americana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. And that's, and that's a, another thing that we're, we're always trying to do because – uh, as much as I'm rooted and I love country music, some, sometimes I do love a lot of things that are considered Americana, like, like Wildflowers. You know, I would consider that an Americana song and a quintessential Americana song. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would, yeah, I like that answer. Would have had a flash call, young blonde girlfriend, all for free. Like to think of some town far away, there'd be a man like I am now. are going to the lighter side here on Americana podcast. So um, number one, first, the first question is Brent, what is a skill you have that someone might not expect? Oh, I don't know. I can cut a tree down pretty good. <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't expect that. What, what is your favorite movie or TV show right now? Oh man. Uh, I, we have two kids, so we don't. Well, right now, we're watching uh, the right. Secrets of Sulphur Springs. I don't know that it's my favorite, but it's my daughter's favorite. Yeah, well, that, uh, that's how that works, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. What What is one of your favorite ways to relax? I like to grill in mm-hmm. the evenings and mm-hmm. uh, sit barefooted in my yard. Nice. Yeah. Um, your favorite place to visit? Um. When I'm touring, home is my favorite place to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, I don't know. I don't really. I, I like going to. I, I don't know. I like going to Richland, and uh, we have what we call country days out there. Spend some time on the creek. What time of year is that? Any time of year. Oh, I get it. I get it. Uh, um, 
this is more of a personal uh, my, my thought here. Uh, favorite song you wrote that no one likes as much or doesn't understand as much as you would like them to? Oh, man. Uh, I, that's hard. To, that's, I don't know. I got a. Is it one that's already recorded or just any song? A, a, any song that you, you know, you're. I, I, I'll give you an example. Let's see. What, what, oh, I, I, I did a song, a kind of a rock song years and years ago. Uh, to, to 1998 maybe on a record called Picnic called Over the Waterfall and I, I I didn't think it was like the greatest rock song but I thought all the words really fit to well together and right. I bet you Brent I've played that song on stage I don't know since then 50 times and it's just flat it, doesn't, it never goes over never goes okay. over yeah I, I have a song that song that I mentioned that Kenny Chesney recorded called uh-huh. Donut uh-huh. it's called it's called Donut and it's it's a sort of about my life but you know in a way that i would think everyone it's like like uh life has its way of moving you on don't it Mm -hmm. you know it's Mm -hmm. sort of poetic and i've played it a few times at some songwriter festivals and and yeah it never (laughs) it never is received the way that i think it should be doggone it (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Uh, maybe those are maybe those songs are just for us you know maybe so Yeah, yeah Uh, someone you'd like to do a duet with? Oh, uh, I mean, I love Brandy Carlisle so much, mm-hmm. um, which we've, we've sung a little bit together. Uh, Dolly Parton. I love uh, Dolly more than groceries. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Lee Tashian. I love Aaron. Uh-huh. Uh, Robert Earl Keane. What's up? Go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if Georgia were to have a state varmint, what would it be? Uh, the gnat, the, the, <laughs> the part of Georgia I live in. Uh-huh. Uh, the best version of Georgia on my mind. Ooh, I love Jerry Lee Lewis's. Really? Uh, man, yeah, if you've never heard it, I, it's so I, good. I have not. I've never heard that, no. Yeah, that, it's on the Country Memories album by Jerry Lee Lewis, which is also my favorite uh, Jerry Lee Lewis album. But uh, Jerry Lee Lewis is my favorite version of Georgia. Yeah, we didn't talk about Atlanta at all, but I, I do have this question here. Uh, best funky joint or eatery in Atlanta? Oh, man. I, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. What's the, uh, what's the? is it the Claremont Lounge? Mm-hmm. You know you know anything about that? No, I don't. No, I don't. Well, Google that later. Okay, all right. That's, Claremont. That, that might be it. The future ain't no joke. Today's just gonna slow down. The punchline's funny. I keep my accency Happy faces in the crowd Laughing through the tears Oh, sometimes I'm a clown All right. Okay, now we're moving to the lightning round. These are either-or questions here. Uh, just, you know, they're either-or. Koozies or T-shirts? Koozies. Football or baseball? Baseball. Sneakers or sandals? Sandals. Led Zeppelin or ACDC? Oh, it depends on the mood. Uh, ACDC for now, but Led Zeppelin tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> uh, a passenger or driver? Driver. Uh, movie theater or streaming? Movie theater. Fiction or nonfiction? Uh, fiction. Mm-hmm. Exit in or the basement? Basement. 
All right, here, here is a, a multiple choice. George's 40th governor's name was A, Ty Cobb, B, Hal Cobb, C, Earl Corn Cobb, or D, Lee J. Cobb? Lee J. Cobb. <laughs> uh, the, the answer actually is Hal Cobb, and it was kind of... Uh, that's what I was going to say. I, I, was, I was kind of... Yeah, since there... What is there, more than one Cobb? town is that you said one Man, was incorporated not corporate Cobb run well there's Cobb County which is Atlanta mm-hmm. and then we live in the unincorporated Cobb Georgia uh-huh wow and so are you kin to a lot of these cobs that you pull up in the you know I, I mean I, I, I keep waiting for the keys to these cities yeah and they, they don't come in so I don't guess so well, you get the keys to uh, America's and Ellaville because <laughs> when you look those up in Wikipedia and the line that says famous people from there, you're number three on both of them. <laughs> number three, baby. Yeah. That's my lucky number. There you go. Uh, spring or fall? Fall. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Sweet tea or hot tea? Sweet tea. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Willie or Waylon? I mean, it just depends on the day. Okay. Uh, uh, Willie in the morning, Waylon at night. Perfect. Telly or Strat? Telly. All right. So um, there's a certain method they used uh, to to name the town of Americus. This is a multiple choice question we have for you. Uh, this is uh, how how was the town made or whomever they whatever they named it after. Anyway, A, uh, famous Scotsman railroad magnate Cornelius Americus. Uh, uh, It's an old Creek Indian word. It was the wife of James Oglethorpe, or D, it was drawn out of a hat. Creek Indian. Uh It was drawn out of a hat. No way, wasn't it? It was in 1832. It was... I don't know where they got the name. You you know why I said Creek Indian is because apparently I was always told that Americus was supposed to have the the Native Americans named it that and built that city there, their town there, their village there, because no tornadoes were supposed to be able to go through Americus because of the way the landscape is. Yeah. But then in like 2007, we had a major tornado that, Pretty much plowed our whole town down. Anyway, that's why I came up with that. But you know what? That you bring that up. You know, just because it's drawn out of a hat doesn't mean that that's where it started. You know. By God, would you rather get pulled aside and have your bags searched at TSA or do a meet and greet? <laughs> a meet and greet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Our very last one is here at Americana Podcast. We're talking to Brent Cobb. My name is Robert O'Keen, and here at Americana Podcast, we are trying to find a better name for that most beautiful instrument of instruments called the B3 organ, feeling like B3 is much too <laughs> stale or military or whatever. So, Brent, can you can you give us uh, your choice for a new name for the B3 organ? Who came up with this question? Uh, I think I did. <laughs> uh, uh, what about... The the beware, the beware. <laughs> this instrument may make you happy. <laughs> oh man, we we've had some good answers, and that one's right there at the top. That's fantastic. <laughs> the beware, nice, nice. 
Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Robert O'Keen, and we've been speaking with singer-songwriter, or visiting with singer-songwriter Britt Cobb, whose uh, newest record is, is called, is called, wait a minute. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, this is Robert O'Keen. We're talking with Brent Cobb, singer-songwriter, whose latest record is Keep Them On They Toes. Keep Them On They Toes came out in September of 2020. And uh, go out and see Brent when you get a chance because uh, you will love him. He's fantastic. And we really enjoyed talking with you today, Brent. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. At this time, we would like to thank our host, Robert Earl Keene, our guest, Brent Cobb, and Catherine Sneed at Saxon Co. As this is our anniversary, we'd like to extend our thanks to those that have helped us through the years, including Pat Mansky, Brian Standifer, and Dave Beck for all their past, present, and future engineering work, Mike Morgan at The Zone Studios, Texas Monthly, Kim Warner for his original theme music, Will vote for his insightful contributions. Bill Whitbeck for his helpful suggestions of improvement. To every manager, tour manager, and publicist we've ever worked with, thank you so much for helping in booking, scheduling, and promoting these interviews. To every artist, thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. Kate Richardson at Richland Group for so much, I can't even begin. Dan Weiss at American Songwriter. And finally, to you, our listeners, thank you for taking this journey between the strings with us. We couldn't do it without you. Until next time, let the music play. Music